shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakeland, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, this is it, and once again, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm Chris. There's Kelly. Kelly, come on in here and say hello. Hello, Chris. You got that <laughs> sultry voice for a pair of yeah, it's it's my it's my one nine hundred medic voice. Uh, Three twenty five for the first minute, and then a dollar ninety five for every minute after that. So I'm hanging up now. So also, <laughs> yeah. give me give me four dollars worth. That's it. I'm done. So how's things, man? What's going on down there oh, in Louisiana? Man, I'm, I'm I'm limping across the finish line, man. We've got my paramedic or my uh, EMT class testing their national registry exam uh, Friday the 29th. and. As soon as we get done t- testing the exam, I've got to drive to Seminole, Texas, uh, and and uh, speak at an EMS conference over there, and then drive back to Louisiana and cover the back half of a shift for someone that swapped for me. So it's uh, um, that's crazy. I see I see, uh, I see um, a lot of no-dos and vibrant in my future. <laughs> you got to be careful with that stuff, man. Yep. We don't want to be reading about you on EMS one. I don't know. So everyone's doing well in the class, then? They're they're really doing well in the class. I think they're strong. I'm gonna have a uh, I'm gonna have a good group of students go test, and um, uh, you know they're they're ready for it to be over with too. You know they're uh, they've they've completed all their their uh, requirements, and um, we've got some some final exams and some clinical clinicals left to do uh, for a few of them. But uh, they're they're doing well. They've really kind of blossomed in the last two or three weeks. So. Looking forward to to seeing it all pay off for them. Yeah, I mean that'll be good to know. And I guess you know, as you come to the end of this, uh, you know, this first hybrid course, you know, it'd really be good to get your ending uh, overview of it. And uh, if you can get us a couple of them students, man, oh, let's yeah. go ahead and talk yeah. to them because I think that you know, you and I have kind of engaged with it in the past. That uh, you know, something I think we've got to spend a lot of attention on uh, because I think that this is going to be the wave of the future. I mean, I'm working mm-hmm. with NEMT right now. Uh, to develop a online hybrid course for the new people course that just came out. So, yeah. you know, that's a 16-hour course. It's teaching uh, leadership and uh, personal ethics and ethics and leadership and a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, if we can put eight hours of that online and what's the best way to yeah. deliver that, I think that that's really kind of the way to go. And you're starting to see that more and more everything is online you know, yeah. people who take college classes, they don't even know what the college looks like. They're doing all that stuff in the comfort of their own home in their underwear eat Cheerios at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, acknowledging the, the realities of, of modern society and, and how pressed for time we are and, and how uh um you know, quite a quite a few of our, our students are, are non traditional students, you know. I mean heck most adult learners these days are non-traditional students they have lives and commitments and everything else and any way we can get the the learner to the classroom including bringing the classroom to the learner um we're gonna do so uh we're gonna keep going with this and uh we'll, we'll get some some of my students online let them know what their we'll talk about what our uh our experience was with the the first time doing a hybrid program yeah i think that'll be awesome to know and yep. um you know kelly i think we got a really great show you know you and i 
yeah. you know, we do a good job, I think, of talking about the news and, and kind of bringing to the forefront some of the hot stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes uh, we go to the file of EMTs behaving badly and, you know, we kind of rip on, uh, you know, maybe some of the EMS systems that, uh, you know, don't do the right thing when it comes to the yeah, employees. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for inspirational. One of the things that we talked about a couple months back was a gentleman named Noah Filer. And Noah yeah. was the guy, and it was your story, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And here was a gentleman who was in a motorcycle accident. And subsequently, because of that motorcycle accident, he lost his left arm. He lost his left leg uh, below the knee. And, uh, you know, when he woke up in, after his coma six weeks later, uh, he was concerned, of course, about not having an arm, concerned about not having a leg. But with almost the same breath, he said, what about my paramedic school? What happened to my paramedic school? And, uh, uh, you know, subsequently went through the process and, and uh, you know, finished yeah. his paramedic school. But we have him here today. And awesome. uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce him to the group? Yeah, welcome to the show. The guy who I'm going to hold up as a, a model for my students when they whine and complain on, on how tough it was and, and, uh, and uh, how hard they have it in class. Noah Filer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris and Kelly. Honor to be here today. Well, thank you very much for being here. I got to tell you, Noah, that, uh, you know, we, we were just so impressed with your story. And uh, when we talk about, you know, inspiration, when we talk about motivation, you know, you gave us inspiration. You gave us motivation when we read your story. So thank you very much for being here. So I guess my first question to you, Noah, is can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you? Well, in 2011, I decided to be in paramedic school. Because I was in full-time EMT for four years, and then I decided to go on to paramedic and uh, went on to paramedic in 11. And April 1st, 2012, I decided to go for a motorcycle ride. The girlfriend that I was dating at the time wanted me to learn how to ride a bike. And so I went for a bike ride. And I remember we started off that morning on uh, a dirt bike at my buddy's farm. And we were just riding around. You know, that way it was a little safer, and if I crashed, it was only 25, 30 miles an hour. And then we got a big bike, because I was going to buy a bike from him. And we took one or two trips from Durand, Illinois, to Pectonica, which is about 10 miles or so. And then I remember filling up at the gas station, because it was going to be his son's birthday, and we filled up at the gas station. And then I woke up six weeks later and looked down, and I didn't have an arm or a leg. I'm like, well, where in the heck on my arm, my leg? And so then the girlfriend was like, well, you were in a bad accident. You know, they had to take him, unfortunately, and this and that. And I was like, okay, well, well, what about my medic? I mean, I've, I put in a lot of hours. What what about that? Sure. So that's what kind of started everything with, with that. Um, so was that like the first thing you thought? I yeah, mean, in, well, the, in the same, my arm and my leg, and then the next thing is your, your paramedics, you know, what happened with that? basically, I mean, it, there might have been a very short time, but it was like, what What do I do now? I mean, I, I had put all of my clinical hours in, except 60, and that was because we weren't released to do those 60 hours yet, being OB and pediatric. But every other hour I was done, and I had a lot of time into it, and I was working full-time at an ambulance, so I didn't know what to, to do next. I was like, well, well I, I don't know. So, Noah, you wake up in your hospital bed and you're missing an arm and a leg and you piece together that, uh, uh, what about paramedic school? 
uh, and, and moving on from there, man, where do you start? What, what's the first process in, in, in getting back on track and, and, and getting things started again with all the rehab and, and, and all the ordeal you had to go through? Well, Kelly, it was just one of those. I didn't go to college. I decided to go to – I was working, and then when I started in paramedic school in 11, um, that was going to be like my trade school per se. And I just, I had to finish it. I mean, I had so much time invested in it and I didn't, my life was being EMT and the accident might've changed that a little bit temporarily, cause I, but it, uh, it was still just one of my goals. Well, I gotta tell you, I mean, I think it's a goal that, uh, you achieved really well. So Noah, now, now that you start to get your bearings a little bit, how long was it? After that, you, you know, you left the hospital and you started your rehabilitation. I'm sure that you finally went back to paramedic school to finish all that up. So, like I said, the accident was April 1st. Bad April Fool's Day joke, I know. But I uh, called Swedish American Emergency Department, or the, their EMS, I'm sorry, and was talking to the medical director with Dr. Underwood. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, let's just see how cognitively you're functioning. Come in and retake a few of your tests. Oh, so he wanted said, to just go ahead and make sure you didn't lose anything mentally. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. And he came out, shook my hand, and said, you're doing well in class, so much to the point where you haven't been in class in three months, and you're still at the top of your class. Wow. So we will do everything we possibly can to help you with it. Awesome. And so then I was like, all right, and... On all of my tests, I did just as well as I did before the accident, if not better. And I started, that would have been about August, November, September. And I started the... So about six months. It was about six months after the about, accident. About six months, yep. And at the time when I was going to... Physical therapy is like basically your leg. And occupational therapy is learning how to use the prosthetic, which at that time I didn't have. And then they also had what they called was speech therapy. And that was, I was pretty compulsive when that one, because you've been in the back of your name, you know how things are. Sure. If you don't react to the situation, someone's going to die. Right, right. And so the, the, the speech therapist helped control that compulsion and kind of redirect me a little bit. And then when I, so I, um, had done well on those tests that they had asked me to do. And they're like, well, why don't you just start after Christmas break and join this next paramedic class, the 12, 13 class. And then I finished that all up. And because then, you know, we're doing the hands-on practicals and stuff. And I had to relearn everything. Sure. Because I, I can't tie a tourniquet like you can. So I had to, I went online, found a, a tourniquet that has a, like a seatbelt cord on it where it snaps together and then you just pinch it tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. And and it's a pretty slick little deal. However, the you know, when you innovate someone, whether you're left handed or right handed, you hold the laryngoscope in your left hand. You lift up towards the toes and visualize the cords and pass it through. Right. The left hand didn't have enough strength to close, so when I tried to lift, it would slide off of the laryngoscope. Oh my goodness. So so I I'm guessing uh, and just for so we know, did you lose your left hand? Left hand um, above the elbow, okay, and left left leg below the knee. Okay, 
Okay, so good. I didn't mean to cut you off. So now you're. I think it's true. I mean, because they talk call it the death grip when you're holding on to that blade so so tight that your hand starts to shake. But you didn't have enough, uh, as you said, strength in it that it just kept coming off the laryngoscope blade. Right. Exactly. And um, so I was like, "What do I do now? I you got to you know you got to be able to, to sure. visualize and and secure that airway." Well, and I talked to the EMS instructors, and they helped me get a King's Vision laryngoscope uh-huh. through a foundation at the at Swedish American Hospital. Oh, awesome! So they bought they bought me my own laryngoscope, but what that does is it has the video up on top, so that at least gave my hand something to slide on, so it didn't slide through the hand. It at least oh, good it, point. It would yeah. stop, and then, and then it would I could pick up and. I had uh, I needed four more innovations. I went in, got them, and the King's has a disposable blade, so you keep the video part, right? And then throw the the blade away. Which I went in, got my four tubes, and the one the epiglottis was really misshapen and floppy, and I couldn't. The tube would literally bounce off it. So I'm like, well, well, now what? And you know, once you're committed to the airway, don't look away from the vocal cords once you see them, but then. I look up and said, I need a bougie to the OR that I was working with. And they hand me a bougie. And with that King vision, I couldn't, you know, even looking up, I could still visualize exactly where the cords were. So I passed the bougie through the tube and through the cords and then passed the tube through that, that way. So. so Noah, you're a new paramedic. Um, and it's, it's challenging enough for new paramedics in general, but you're working with a prosthetic arm and a prosthetic leg as a new medic. What was uh, what was the biggest challenge for you? Well, thanks, Kelly. Um, it, it's kind of hard. The learning how to walk was a pretty simple concept because they saved my knee. So literally, the first leg that I got, um, I was in parallel bars, so you only have about six inches or so on each side of you before you fall. And as soon as I stood up, I started to walk. So the guy's like, "Well, just stand up, wait, shift, see how it feels," you know. Or, or just walk with it, I guess. That's fine, too. And uh, But the arm, they tried to save the hand. And that didn't work. So then they went in forearm. Well, when myoglobin breaks down, it messes up your kidneys. So then they had to take above the elbow, half the bicep, half the tricep. And the arm is has been a challenge. When I was trying to finish up my ride time for my paramedic, we had a lady down. She needed an airway. And I want to use the king, but my arm um, is all body powered. So you move your shoulders one way. Like if I shrug my left shoulder down, that pulls the pin to to straighten or bend the elbow up. And if I squeeze my chest, that's what opens and closes the hand. Whereas the when I tried to innovate that lady in the back of an ambulance, right. I had the uh, the elbow. The physics was was wrong for me for that elbow. I had uh, when I tried to lift that my, the hand would open. Oh, so I, I needed to to have a better angle on with the elbow so that when I lift it would actually lift and I could see the the vocal cords. So to learn how to do that, you you really had to relearn body mechanics in an entirely new way to just just to to know how to operate your prostheses. That's that's pretty uh, amazing. Exactly. And it, and it gets to be better, but it's not that good right now. So it's, you know, you got to 
stop and think, what do I need to happen or what do I need to move to, to happen? And in the OR, when the patient's, you know, knocked out and you're standing on a set stool behind them on a, in a very sterile, safe, you know, scene, yeah. it's pretty easy to, to know I'm in my arm here or here, you know, whereas in the vaccine and ambulance from the airway management chair, you're like, um, I, I guess I need a different position in that. And I wouldn't have thought about that till I was in that position. So. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. Let me ask you this then, Noah. What do the patients think? Are, are they are they aware? Do they even know? Are they are they kind of are they kind of nervous when they see you coming at them and you know you're you know you have a, a you know a, a prosthetic arm? I mean, how does how does that work? I would just introduce myself as Noah. I'm a paramedic student. I'm you're in great hands. You know, a true emergency at work when they come in, and I just your instincts kick in. Right? Had, we had a lady the other day that was bleeding, and I just put direct pressure on with my right hand and she didn't question anything about my arm, but I was just focused on what needed to be done, you know? Sure, so, sure. And most of the, as far as like the patients, I don't, clearly I can't hide it. And I, you know, usually at work I have pants on. So then if we get a little bit of a rapport, I'm like, Oh, you want to know a secret? And then I'll lift up my pant leg. Like, oh my gosh. And, and, and they're just amazed that I am walking and working with them. And they're like, so, that's amazing. Well, brother, after all you've been through, is there anything at this point that, that scares you or, or makes you nervous or gives you pause at, at this point in your, your career after all you've, you've gone through? Well, thanks. I'm not any different than the other umpteen thousand medics that are across the United States, you know. But it's just what uh, it's just happened, and I'm, now I'm a paramedic, and I had some a hiccup along the way, but I'm no different than anybody else, and I just, uh, I, I just don't, don't quit. So Noah, as someone who has uh, overcome a tremendous amount of adversity, what what message would you have for our readers? What what words of wisdom and, and advice would you have for for people who are facing adversity themselves and, and how to overcome it? Never give up. Um, you don't know what's around the corner. Just keep working at it and keep dedicating yourself to it. When I went to take my first my paramedic test, um, I went in cold. Four years after I started paramedic class, perfectly cold, and I failed it 100%. So then I'm like, well, what do I do now? And I studied a lot. I studied on EMT prep. I had help from my preceptors. I had help from everyone that I could that would help me get that. And then I passed. So I, I you know, just never give up. Like my goal, that's why I started paramedic class, was to get my paramedic so I could get hired by a full-time fire department. That was a pretty simple goal. Sure. But I feel like maybe the fire card wasn't in the in the or the the fire department wasn't in the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just take it as it is and keep going. Sure, it does. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, you are an inspiration. I mean, you know, I don't know that uh, I would hope to think that if uh, I was in a similar situation, I'd be able to do what you did. And uh, you know, it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of belief in yourself. You know, it takes a lot of inspiration. It takes a lot of motivation. And and you started something. And you wound up finishing it under, you know, some extreme circumstances. And I got to tell you, I want to thank you very much for joining us on the show. And uh, promise you'll promise us you'll come back. And as you as you learn the skills of uh, being a paramedic, uh, as you gain experience as being a paramedic, come on back on the show and let's talk about, you know, the things that you've learned and uh, how you're developing. And I think that'd be a really interesting follow up. Okay, I'll come back. Be happy to come back. Thank you very much. 
Well, Kelly, I think that's going to put the wrap on another show. I got to tell you, man, when we talk about inspiration, this guy oh, really, yeah. this guy really kind of you know makes the uh, you know makes the heartbeat. When you think about uh, you know you, you kind of joked about it in the beginning of the show where you said you know you're going to kind of point a finger to your students who whine about, but mm-hmm. I mean really when you think about the adversity and you think about what this guy went through, uh, you know, and hopefully we have him back soon. Uh, this is really motivation. This is really inspiration to say, you know, if he could do this, we can do almost anything. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, he's uh, not only is he exceptionally driven and motivated, you know, the guy's capable of doing, you know, physical uh, things that that uh, whole bodied medics aren't doing. You know, he's what's he, he benching uh, or he's uh, squatting 365 uh, pounds. He yeah, said. 365 and deadlifting 265. Uh, and that's with two prosthetic limbs. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to have to, uh, get back to the gym and stop my 12 ounce curls, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling shamed after hearing that. So that's our inspirational story for the week. And for myself, co-host Chris Cevallero and special guest Noah Filer. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. You guys email us your concerns, comments, questions, suggestions at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, and thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. 